Good morning, church. And it's so good to be with you today. It feels like it's been forever. Um, so I'm super excited to be back. So, <laughs> Wow. I love you guys too. Um, I was given this right before the service as uh, an example of the armor of God since we were going through a spiritual war series. So this is going to be uh, our little mascot today, um, which is going to be great. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Chad. I'm the interim campus pastor here at Tri-Village Church, and, and I'm so thankful to be here. Um, and, and if this is your first time here, I would love to greet you and to get to know you. So after the service, I'll be standing by the steps outside. Um, please come by and just say hi. I would love to, to shake your hand and, and get to know you a little bit. Um, well, and since I've been gone, um, it's been both amazing and exhausting. Um, it's been the whole gambit um, because now I'm a new dad, which is awesome. Um, yeah. And I will shamelessly uh, just celebrate my daughter, Piper, um, and how awesome she is. Jayla and Piper are doing awesome. They're doing so, so well. The Lord has really blessed us and kept everyone healthy. Um, hopefully, they'll be here in person in a couple of weeks, and you can meet Piper yourself. Um, but she's amazing. But I'm not sleeping, um, as many of you who are parents or have been parents know. And so through that, um, I've had moments this week where I'll be in conversation with people, and particularly my wife. And while I'm talking, I forget what we're talking about. Um, and then I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, I need you to remind us what we were talking about. I know I was the one speaking, but what did I just say? Um, you can even ask my team. I've sent a few emails that were less than coherent. Um, I thought they were fine and then realized, oh yeah, that's gibberish. Um, so I'm using my notes today because I do not trust myself to remember everything I wrote down. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so I will, be, I will be using these as well. Hopefully I wrote uh, appropriately in what, what we have to go. This is going to be a, a treat for all of us. Um, but as you know, uh, church, we have been searching for a campus pastor. We've been searching for um, a, a leader for this campus. And um, I want to invite you to keep praying over this campus pastor, to keep praying um, for the person who's going to be leading this campus. There have been a number of candidates who've already come through um, who are currently going through the interview process. And once that pool gets trimmed down a little bit, there will be a team of actually TVC leaders who will be part of the search team to interview. So things are moving along, and, and we pray that the Lord will provide this person soon, but that the Lord will provide the right person. Amen? So please, please join me and our team. Uh, church, let's be praying for this person. Um, we are finishing today, we are wrapping up this series, Spiritual War, where we have been taking an in-depth dive into Ephesians chapter 6, where we have been looking at the armor of God and, and going verse by verse through the armor. And, and in Ephesians, we see that Paul is actually reminding the church at Ephesus about who they are in Christ. He's reminding them about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the realities of gospel transformation in the life of every believer. And he wraps up this, in, this letter by pointing to the reality that we and that they are at war. Though they're not fighting a physical battle, the battle they're fighting is just as real and just as significant. I would even argue that it's more significant. This is a battle that impacts every part of life. It impacts our families, our relationships, our work, our future, our hopes, our dreams, our fears, our failures, just to name a few. And church, we are at war. Hopefully you've gotten that over the last several weeks that you see that we are at war war. Did you know that? <laughs> awesome. Um, 
And many of you are like, amen, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I know my life, this, even this week, as we, as we get ready to preach through spiritual warfare, go figure, you feel very spiritually attacked. Um, so as we've looked closely at each piece of armor and how we can be best fitted to fight the battle in which we, we have to both individually and corporately as the church engage in, as we've gone and looked through each piece of armor, now that's fit, today we are going to look at the very last and the, very, the most important piece. We're going to look at this weapon in our arsenal, the one that is the most powerful, the most effective, and I would believe the easiest weapon that we can use, and yet it's overlooked and can even be the least utilized by the church. Today we're looking at prayer. Would you please stand as we read from God's word? We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to go through Ephesians 6, Verses 10 through 18, it'll be on the screens. Also, just so you know, just to prove that um, I've been a little less than coherent, some of the passages are actually going to go into where it says Ephesians. That's my bad, not the tech team. Tech team, you're great. Um, So, yeah, just bear with me. That's what it's like being a dad. Um, If you're with me, say amen. amen. All right, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with all your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you. We praise you for who you are. We praise you that you are worthy, that you are sovereign, Lord, that you are gracious and merciful and just, Lord, that you stand against sin, and somehow, Lord, you have made a way for us to be saved. Lord, we pray because we are in a spiritual battle. Lord, every day there is a battle at war for our hearts, for our affections, Lord. Lord, we want to love you. We want to pursue you. Lord, protect us and help us to fight this battle effectively. Lord, let us use the weapons that you have given us. Let us use the defenses that you have supplied us with. Let us be faithful, reflecting you and your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we pray as we study your word that you would illuminate us, that you would would show us what it is that you have for us today. Lord, let us not leave here unchanged. Protect us from any distraction. Protect us from the spiritual warfare that would cause us to reject or to not listen or hear what you have for us. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that would be spurred on to loving you and pursuing obedience to your word. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. You are my rock and redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so I want you to imagine with me for a moment. Put on, put on your creative thinking caps and try to get this mental picture with me, okay? So imagine with me a military fighter jet. Think like Top Gun. Tom Cruise, it's going to be awesome. So this military fighter jet, it's armed with missiles and all the artillery that you can imagine. It is fitted with every sort of weapon. 
It's a pretty boss jet. In addition to that, it's also been fitted with the best navigation system and stealth technology that you could find. It's state of the art. So imagine that this fighter jet, it's fierce, it's powerful. This is the kind of thing you would want in battle, right? If, you, if your side has this, you're like, yes, we're good. So are you imagining this jet with me? Are you imagining this military fighter? I love it. Thank you. Good. Some of you are there. The rest of you will catch up. Um, now, what happens if this jet loses all electrical power? Everything it's armed with goes from actual to theoretical power at that point. It goes from actual usefulness to theoretic usefulness. You could actually say that it is useless. The pilot would no longer have the ability to fly, much less fire a weapon. See, this is what it's like when the believer doesn't pray. This is what it's like. We have all of the weapons at our disposal. We have ar- we've been armed with every kind of armor, but we are absolutely cut off from the power source when we don't pray. We may look impressive. We may seem impressive. But without prayer, we are useless. Every believer would affirm that prayer is important. In fact, there, there have been studies that have shown that even non-believers believe that prayer is important. There was a Barna study a couple of years ago that said that, that over 50% of the people who were studied said that prayer is something good in everybody's life. Everyone should pray to some level. Now, granted, they're not praying to the Lord, but people would argue that prayer is important. Hopefully, believer, you would also argue that prayer is important. The question is, do you believe that prayer is essential? This is what we're going to unpack together today. I've been praying and processing specifically over this exact passage for about a month now. I've been praying, Lord, how should I teach this? What is it that you want me to say as we lead our church through the study of prayer? See, Paul causes, or calls the church in Ephesus to pray together. So we are actually going to do that together as well. It seems like if we could talk about prayer but not actually pray together as a church, it it falls flat. And so we're going to spend the first half of today talking about prayer, and then we're going to spend the second half praying together. A couple months ago, we did this right after Pastor Will stepped down, and this will be similar but a little bit different. We're actually going to pray through the very passage we're going through. We're going to pray through each section of the passage. So first, we're going to unpack it together. We're going to exegete this passage together, and then we're going to pray through the passage as a church. For some that might be a little uncomfortable, you came like, I'm ready to sit down and hear from the word, but guys, this is going to be good. We need to put what we're learning into practice. And so the main point that we're going to be looking at today, and you can put this on the screen, it says, the, I, I, I was just thinking through, what, what is it that we need to know? And it's this, the only way to persevere through the problems and persecutions in this world is to access the power that can only be found through prayer. The only way to persevere through the problems and persecutions of this world is to access the power that can only be found through prayer. And so we're going to do this by looking at, as Paul has these two sentences in this one verse, we're going to unpack the process of prayer and we're going to unpack the practice of prayer. And so you can even argue that what we're doing now is we're talking about the process of prayer and then we will put into practice prayer. So first, let's go through the process of prayer. At the very beginning of verse 18, it says, pray in the Spirit. That's how Paul starts this, and pray in the Spirit. And you might be wondering, what does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? 
Well, that's a really good question. And scripture actually shows us a little bit about, actually shows us very much so about what this means. Praying in the Spirit means that we have help when we pray. That the Holy Spirit actually helps us to pray. It speaks on our behalf when we pray. We read this in Romans chapter 8, and it says this in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So we see that one of the ways praying in the Spirit is that we pray and the Holy Spirit helps us, intercedes for us, helps us to speak the things that we don't even know to speak. But not only does the Holy Spirit help us, that we also pray in the Spirit. We pray in the atmosphere of the Spirit. The Spirit is actually guiding us and guiding our hearts as we pray, which John 14 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you the things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. And then also we see that the Holy Spirit um, reminds us over and over again that we are legitimate children of God. That as we pray, we pray because we are children of the Lord. And so Romans 8 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And so praying in the Spirit is praying as adopted sons and daughters with the help of the third person of the Trinity who guides our hearts and guides our affections and guides our words so that we can communicate with our sovereign Lord and King. Oswald Sanders puts it this way. So praying in the Spirit is about praying along the same lines, about the same things, and in the same name as the Holy Spirit. You see, when we come to God, we aren't coming in our own accomplishments, but we come in his. We don't come in our own name, we come in his name. So praying in the Spirit is praying through the power that is given us by God himself. We don't come because we are worthy, we come because he is worthy. That's what praying in the Spirit is. So not only are we supposed to pray, but we have access to pray. We are able to pray. As children of God, we have access to the Father as legitimate children and it has been granted to us because of the death of the Son and the presence of the Spirit in our lives. As I was thinking about this, about what it means to be able to talk with God as legitimate children, there was a picture that came in my mind and it's this iconic picture of John F. Kennedy with his son, John Jr. And if you can put this on the screen, you can see this. So there's this picture of the President of the United States who is the most powerful man in the entire nation and his son has complete unrestricted access to his father. His son has complete and unrestricted access to the most powerful person in the nation. Now, if I were to try, granted I wasn't alive then, but theoretically, if I was alive then and, and I were to try to go to him, there would be a lot of barriers in place to keep me from him because they don't want a psychopath like me to meet the president. So, but how much more confidence, how much more assurance, how much more peace how much more boldness should we have knowing that we as adopted, legitimate children have unrestricted, undivided attention and we have unrestricted, uninterrupted access to our Heavenly Father who is the Lord of the universe. That It's not the president, it's the God who created everything. We have unrestricted, uninterrupted access to the Lord of the universe. Praying in the Spirit is legitimacy as children of God. We pray because we are able and because we have 
access. So we're called to pray in the Spirit. So now that we see that we pray in the Spirit, both have access and intercession through the power of the third person of the Trinity, let's see what the next part says. It says, pray on all occasions. On all occasions. And you might be like, what, what is all occasions? So a couple of weeks ago, Josh Laxon came and he preached um, and he was walking through, uh, he, he showed us a picture. If you guys were here, he showed us a picture of how he goes about preparing for sermons. And so he had in Sharpie the whole passage that was written out and he was unpacking each word in its original language. Do you guys remember that? Okay. Now there was a point where he talked about the word all. Do you guys remember what all means in the original language? It means all. Yeah, it's pretty simple. All means all. So when Paul is saying pray in all occasions, it means there is no situation in our life that we should not be praying. There is no circumstance that we face where we should not be praying. We pray on all occasions. It means that we pray when life is great. We pray when life is horrible. We pray for our needs. We pray for our wants. We pray in our joy. We pray in our pain. We pray when we don't feel like praying. We pray when we feel like praying is the only hope that we have left. We pray when life is mundane. We pray when life is vibrant. We pray on the mountaintops and we pray in the valleys. There is no season in our lives where we are not to pray. And there is no occurrence in our lives that is too small to be prayed about. There is no circumstance that we will ever face that is insignificant to our Lord. And we pray. We pray on all occasions. We are to pray for, to pray over, and to pray in the midst of every single thing in our life. But does this sound like us? Does it sound like you? Sound like me? I'll be honest that praying without ceasing, praying on all occasion, all occasions is not something that I do. I fall short of the mark. And I'm assuming I'm not alone here. But it's what we're called to. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to pray, to intercede, to have access to the God of the universe. And we are called to pray all the time. But I think that there's a few barriers that keep us from praying. Some things that we think about prayer itself that inhibits us, that stops us from prayer. One of these barriers is that we look at prayer as a break glass in case of emergency. We look at prayer as a last resort in a time of great need. We don't need God until we have absolutely no other option. It's times like these where we say, oh, oh God, I am, I am in such a, a terrible situation. I don't know what to do. Please, please help me. So we look at prayer as break glass in case of emergency. I, I have it when I need it. It's there, but I'm not going to access it until there's an emergency. The second way that we look at prayer that keeps us from praying is we, we look at prayer as a checklist. It's just something that we need to do to get accomplished, to really get to the thing that we want to do. It, we pray out of obligation. It's like when we pray before a meal. If you don't bless the food, then you're going to have diarrhea. That's how it works. Um, so, you, you, and I, what I'm not saying, though, is that we don't have habits of prayer. Having a habit of prayer is actually really, really important in the life of a believer, but there's a difference between habitual prayer and obligatory prayer. And so when we pray as a checklist, it's because we just feel like we need to get through this because it's what we're supposed to do. And so it becomes a checklist rather than a conversation. The last way, and there's many more, but the last way that I'm writing of that we look at prayers, we see prayer as a lottery ticket. 
We, we go to God in hopes that he will make all of our dreams and hopes come true. We ask him to give us all that we want so that we don't have to struggle in this life. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be praying for bold things because we're actually called in Scripture to pray boldly. What I'm saying is we're praying that God would give us what we want so that we don't need God. Lottery ticket prayer. Lord, make my life easy. Make it so I don't have to think about anything other than me. We might not say it outright, but that's lottery ticket prayer. Prayers for comfort instead of his continual presence. So now that we've looked at praying in the Spirit and praying on all occasions, the the next part of this sentence is with all kinds of prayers and requests. And you might be wondering, how many kinds of prayer are there? I thought prayer was just prayer, right? Like we we pray. What, What do you mean by all kinds of prayer? And that's actually a really good question, but there are actually lots of different ways we pray. Think about it like this. If you were to only talk to a friend and and all you ever did was ask for things, um, it would be a pretty one-sided conversation, right? There wouldn't be a whole lot of diversity and you wouldn't really get to know a lot about the person if you just asked for things. But in the same way that you get to know people through different contexts, through different experiences, through different conversations, there are different ways in which we pray. One of them, there's a model to pray that's known as ACTS, A-C-T-S, which stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And we actually prayed through this back in October. We prayed through ACTS. In adoration, we praise the Lord for who he is. In confession, we admit that we are sinners. We pray over our sin and we ask the Lord to reveal hidden faults in our lives, things that we don't know. Actually, we get this out of uh, Psalm chapter 19 where, where David says, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And let me see the hidden faults within me. In Thanksgiving, we praise the Lord for what he has done. That's the difference between adoration and Thanksgiving. In adoration, we praise the Lord for who he is. In Thanksgiving, we praise the Lord for what he has done. And then we see supplication. Supplication is where we actually make requests to the Lord, both for us and for others. Now, J.I. Packer writes about another way to pray that comes straight out of Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus teaches his people how to pray. And when J.A. Packer writes this, actually, I love it. He used alliteration, and I was like, J.A. Packer, you're amazing. Um, and so all of these A's that you see out of the Lord's Prayer. The first is approaching God in adoration and trust. The second is acknowledging his work and his worth in praise and worship. Then there's admitting sin and seeking pardon. Asking that needs be met for ourselves and for others. Arguing with God for blessing and wrestling as Jacob did in Genesis 32. Accepting from, God's, accepting from God one's own situation as he has shaped it. And then adhering to God in faithfulness through the thick and thin. So there's approaching, acknowledging, admitting, asking, arguing, accepting, and adhering. Which one of these do you find yourself doing the most? Which one of these do you find yourself praying over and over again? Do you approach God in adoration and trust? Do you acknowledge his work and his worth in praise and worship? Do you admit your sin and seek pardon? Do you argue with God for blessing? Do you ask that your needs be met for yourselves and for others? Do you accept from God one's own situation as he has shaped it? Or are you adhering to God in faithfulness through the thick and thin? Take note how you pray to God. How you spend your time praying shows how you view God. How you pray paints a good picture of your view of who God is and what he's capable of. Do you see God as a genie wanting to ask and answer your requests? 
Do you see him as a temperamental deity waiting to strike you down for your wrongdoings? Do you see God as an ambivalent old man? Do you see him as kind of wimpy and you're not really sure if he can handle your situations? Or do you see him as a loving father? How we pray communicates a lot about how we view God. I can be, I'll tell you that for the, out of this list, the one that I spend probably the most time praying over and over again is both admitting my sin and asking that my needs be met. Not quite other people's needs, I will pray for that, but if the bulk of my prayer, the weight, if you, if it was, if, if you took all of my, the prayers that I pray, the weight of it would be admitting sin and asking that my needs be met. Maybe you're like me. And I can tell you the one that I probably don't do the most is wrestling with God for blessing. I didn't actually plan this, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, one of the examples to show you, uh, I was at, when I read through this, I was actually discipling a man in our church who's going through a really difficult season in life. He, he had just lost his job and lost the entire company that, that he was running. Um, and so we, get to, we got together every week to pray for several months, just to pray through the situation. And, and he just wanted counsel and, and, and advice. And so as we would pray month after month, week after week, he would constantly be praying through the same thing over and over and over again. And finally, I was like, what are you afraid to ask the Lord for? You know, what, what are you afraid to really ask God for? Or what are you afraid that God would do in your life? He's like, wow, that's a really good question. And I was like, thank you. Um, and so, so he answered, and, and he's like, I'm actually afraid that I wouldn't get a job again. That I'm too old and, and I won't get a good job and be able to provide for my family. And I should have seen this coming, but he asked me, what are you afraid to pray for? And poor pastor moment, I was like, uh, but uh. <laughs> but I knew right away what it was. But I was also embarrassed by it. And so I had a moment where I could choose to let him know and tell him honestly, or I could come up with something that was like simple, you know, oh, well, this. But I knew right it was, and I decided like in a split second, I'm just going to go for it. You see, when he asked me that, my wife and I had been trying to have a kid for about four years. And it was really hard, uh, waiting year after year to, to see, are we pregnant? How about now? How about this month? For four years, we would pray, and we were waiting. And for four years, still nothing. And, and there's many people who have waited a lot longer than I have. There, there's so, so many. But I told them, I'm both afraid to ask God because I'm afraid he will say no and that he will say yes. I'm afraid to really ask God because how I pray is, Lord, I really want a child. But Lord, whatever your will is, let that be done. It's kind of my scapegoat to get out of really feeling about it. But instead, I felt the call to wrestle with God and to plead with him for a child. Okay. To wrestle with God and plead with him for this baby. And also know that, Lord, if you don't give me one, right. you are still good yes. and still faithful. Yes, and in that, as we prayed, I felt the presence and faithfulness of God in a way that I had not experienced before. He had not answered my prayer and the way I asked for it. There was still nothing, but I felt his faithfulness and his presence. And in that, one month later, Jayla got pregnant. And I texted this guy and said, you would not believe we're pregnant. And he said, you wouldn't believe it. Yesterday I got a job. Um, and, and I say that not to say pray to the Lord because everything you pray for will be answered in the way that you, you ask for it. You see, God told me that he, God showed me that he is faithful whether I get what I ask for or don't and that he will give me a greater measure of himself when I ask for it. 
When we wrestle with God, we will receive blessing, even if it isn't the way we expected it. For four years, I didn't have a child, and God was still faithful in that time. And there are many prayers that I've prayed where God didn't answer it the way I wanted to. He's still faithful. We're called to continue to pray. Now in that, I lost my place here because I just got emotional with that. Okay, here we go. Um, now, there, there are still a few barriers, I think, that keep us from, from believing this, from walking into this. There are a few things that keep us from praying. Even though we see there's different ways to pray, I think that there are tactics of the enemy that, that, that Satan uses to, to produce doubt in our minds. Just like the, the serpent did in the garden, just like Satan did to Eve, where he, he lied and produced doubt in her mind about who God is and what he's capable of. We believe these lies. There are lies that enter into our thoughts, into our minds, that we believe about who God is and his ability that prevent us from actually going to him in prayer from actually surrendering the, the, our hopes and dreams and, and, and our fears and failures to him. And maybe some of these lies, I just wrote a list that I was thinking and praying over, lies that I've believed at a point in time and maybe that you've believed at a point in time too. So maybe these ring true for you and maybe there's a different one, but be aware, what are the darts? What are the flaming darts that the, the enemy is throwing at you, is shooting at you to attack your faith and to stagnate or even extinguish your prayer life? So let's start with this. Lies that I have believed in my life. God is unapproachable. God doesn't care about me or my problems. God is upset with me and wants to punish me. God is too busy dealing with other people's issues. I can do something about my situation. Things aren't that bad yet. I don't know how to pray. I don't know if God's hearing my prayers. I don't know if prayer even works. What if God doesn't answer my prayer? What if God doesn't come through this time? What I feel is reality. I can only go to him with big requests. There is not spiritual war taking place in my heart. I'm living in a season of peace. I'm doing okay. My life is not as bad as others, so I'll go to him when I really need him. I'm too bad to go to God. I need to fix my mess first. God only helps those who help themselves. There are many lies that we hear but that only through prayer can we actually put on the armor of God. There are many lies that we, we repeat to ourselves over and over and over again that shape the way that we pray, but we need to combat these lies with truth. And that is why we are given God's word, and that is why we pray. So not only do we, do we read scripture, but we pray scripture, so we ponder it in our minds and we press it into our hearts so that it affects the way that we live with our lives. Romans 8 tells us that in Christ we are more than conquerors and that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Do you believe that? You need to remind yourself of the gospel daily. In Hebrews 4, it says, Therefore we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive help, and mercy, and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have access to God. So now that we have seen the process of prayer, we've seen that we pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Life should be easy, right? We should be set up to pray, but we still don't. And that's because there is practice of prayer. 
That, that Paul didn't just stop there. They're still putting it into practice. And so he, 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 con- he connects these two by saying, with this in mind, knowing what you know about the armor of God that you were at war and how to pray, with this in mind, be alert. Paul warns the Ephesians and warns us, pay attention. This is a reiteration of what he has said. If you are at war, then you better believe that you will be attacked. If you are at war, you should be paying attention because you will engage in battle. Being alert is not only being aware of what to pray against, like lead us not into temptation, but it's also knowing what to pray for. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, a foolish shoulder is one who goes into war unprepared, unarmed, and not dressed for battle. Could you imagine just a civilian showing up and being like, I'm here, I'm ready to go. Let's fight. Just get, I got my fists and I'm ready to go. Now you might be thinking, well, didn't David do something like that? You know, didn't he go against Goliath and he was pretty unarmed? No, he was armed with the Lord. He may not have had physical armor, but he was guarded with spiritual armor. If you are a Christ follower, then you are promised that all throughout your life, you will suffer in the name of Jesus. We are promised to be attacked. We are promised to endure hardship. But we are also promised that we will never be alone and that the power of the Holy Spirit is resting upon us, that nothing can separate us from God and his love and that you are given all the equipping and all the equipment that you will ever need through his word and through relationship with him. Let us not be foolish soldiers. Let us be ready. Let us be prepared. Let us be prayer warriors. And then he goes on and says, not just be alert, but always keep on praying. And you might go, well, we already covered that, like on all occasions, we got that. But actually what, what Paul is saying, actually in the original, it's not even translated always keep on praying. The word is be perseverant, be steadfast, keep pressing on. And I'm going to illustrate it to you in, in, in two ways. Um, first, think of prayer like working out. Do we have any runners in the room? Any of you, you run for fun? Not many. Okay, me either. I actually don't. My hand was out. Okay, there we go. Um, so those of you who do run, you're better than all of us. But, um, but when I think of running, um, well, first, it's hard and I don't enjoy it. But other than that, when I think of, when I think of running, um, when you start running, especially after you haven't been working out for a while, it's difficult. Like, it doesn't necessarily feel good. It can even feel awkward and painful. And you might even go in like, am I doing something wrong here? Like, I, I'm just moving my body. But, but it can be hard. But the more you do it, the better it feels. And not only that, but the longer and faster you're able to run. You build endurance and stamina. Even seasoned runners go through difficult seasons of running. Even seasoned runners have bad days when it comes to running. People who, who run tons and tons, I couldn't even tell you a number because I don't even know what would be accurate, of miles a year. One of my best friends, Kyle Rescue, runs all the time and he's insane. But... Um, but but even seasoned runners have bad days, have bad seasons. There might be times where it's, this is not the weather I'd like to be running in. But if they were to say, nah, I'm not going to run. Well, then you miss that workout. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not just the season, but maybe your body, you're like, I just, I feel tight today. I just can't run. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sleep on the couch today. Like, that, that's fine. I can, I can go without it today. I'll be fine. No, you have to keep doing it. You have to keep exercising your physical muscles because it, can, it continues to produce stamina, it continues to produce endurance, it continues to produce perseverance. 
Similarly to working out your physical muscles, prayer works out our spiritual muscles. It, it may seem awkward and, and maybe even painful at first. You might go, I don't know what to pray about. I, I don't even know how to pray for that long. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't really know what I'm doing. But the more you do it, the, the easier it gets and the more stamina, the more endurance you, you get when it comes to prayer. And even seasoned prayer warriors go through difficult droughts in prayer where it feels like prayer is dry, where it feels like it's a fight and it can feel unfulfilling, but we're called to keep pressing on. Always keep on, always keep on, always keep on. The second way I'm going to illustrate this is that prayer is like marriage. I mean, chiefly, ultimately, prayer is a relationship with God. It's us connecting and talking with God. So let me, let me put, picture, put it to you this way. Let's say that I would come home from work and I just started leaving sticky notes for my wife. We, we wouldn't talk. I, would, I just stopped talking to her. Um, but instead, I'd be like, hey, we need milk. Hey, kitchen needs cleaned. Um, hey, uh, the, the clothes need to be put in the wash. Um, hey, could you pick up some food for the guys that are coming over this weekend? Like, and, I, and so I stopped talking to her. We, 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 we wouldn't really interact with each other. We just kind of lived our own lives. But I would just communicate to her by all of these random requests by sticky note. And you might go, well, that seems really dumb, Chad. Um, you need to go to counseling, which you're right. But, um, but I, would, I would say, well, you know, I don't really get much out of our conversations. Actually, it's really hard. We end up talking about really like, important and big things, and we have to make big decisions in life. And a lot of times, actually, I see how terrible I am in life, and I, it's just hard. So it's easier for me to just do this and just leave sticky notes. Now, obviously, you could see that any marriage that, that had that present wouldn't last very long. Um, any relationship that would function like that wouldn't last very long. And it's because relationships are hard. They call us to enter into the mess. They call us to enter into the difficulty. They call us to enter into the, the mundane sometimes. We might not feel the most fulfilled in it, but it's still important for us to do. Prayer is a continual pursuit of an intimate relationship with God. And sometimes it exposes the worst in you. Often, it exposes the worst in you. But it doesn't leave you there. It shows you that in Christ, who you are and who you are to become. So we are called to pursue. We are called to engage. We are called to press in and keep on. Keep on praying. And lastly, we see that, as Paul says, it's for all the Lord's people. Keep on praying and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You see, he's telling the church of Ephesus not just to pray for their church, but to pray for the church, the global church. Often when we pray, we focus on our needs, we focus on our wants, our desires, and our circumstances. And then sometimes we'll pray for the people around us, the people we love and care about, maybe the people in our immediate spheres of influence. But Paul is calling us to pray for all of the Lord's people. And I hope that you see that prayer is truly a humbling thing. Prayer shows us that all of the power that we have to face our circumstances doesn't come from within us. It comes from the Lord himself. Prayer shows us that we are always dependent on the Lord for every occasion in our lives. That there is no season in which we should not be praying. There is no thing that we are facing or dealing with that we should not be praying about, no matter how insignificant it feels. Prayer shows us that life is ultimately not about us, but it is for us. It is ultimately about the Lord's and his will. And now we see that prayer is for the benefit of others, not just ourselves. Prayer reorients the priority where we see ourselves not as king, 
You see, as the Lord is king. Prayer is a humbling thing. You see, in prayer, we actually live out the law, the, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And out of that, love your neighbor as yourself. In prayer is the fulfillment of this reality. And the only reason that we can pray, the only reason we have access to pray, is because the, to the Father is through Christ's fulfillment of the law. Through his perfect life he lived, and through the death in which he paid for the penalty of our sin. See, Christ teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, but he also prayed for us. And his time of greatest need, Christ prayed for us. There's a point in John chapter 17 when he is in the garden where he is praying and pleading to the Lord and he says, Lord, let your church be one as you and I are one. He prays for unity, for future believers. He prays for us and now we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us if we believe in him. And we can go before the throne of grace with confidence. Oswald Chambers writes this, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. We are called to pray. It is the best thing that is the greatest thing that we can do as believers. So now that we've taken time to see our need for prayer, taken time to see the process of prayer, it's crucial that we put these things into practice. And so I think it'd be a miss for us not to pray together. And so this is the part of the service where it's going to be interactive. Robbie's going to come up and he's going to play under um, all the different movements of prayer that as we pray. I understand that some of this can be uncomfortable as you step in and maybe pray in different ways that you haven't prayed before. Um, but before we close out and worship, we're going to worship the Lord through prayer. Amen? Okay, so what we're going to do first um, is we are going to, the, the first slide is pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. So when we come to the Lord, we, we come through the power of the Holy Spirit. We already talked about that, that he intercedes for us. He, he communicates uh, on our behalf, communicating the deep groanings of our heart. And so what we are going to do is we're going to praise the Lord using the fruit of the Spirit as we read in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to adore the Lord for who he is in his character by praising the Lord individually in the quietness of your heart as Robbie plays. Um, if you'd put the next slide on the screen. We're going to praise the Lord for his, I don't know why one of them is left. Oh, there we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So take some time and then I will close this out. Robbie's just going to play. And at, just take time and, and praise the Lord for who he is. Praise the Lord for his love for his joy. Praise him for his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness. Praise the Lord that he is a God who has self-control. So take some time and pray and I will close us.
Lord, we praise you. You are a merciful God, abounding in steadfast love. Lord, we praise you that you, in your sovereignty and your infinite wisdom, you know us. You know our needs. You know our wants. You know the longings of our heart. You know our sins. You know our failures. You know the way that we run from you. And yet you love us still. And Lord, that you have given us yourself. Lord, you have paid the penalty of our sin. Lord, we praise you that that you continue to show us mercy and grace. We praise you that we can come to you. We praise you that you have made a way for us to access you, Lord. We praise you for the the Spirit. We praise you for your Spirit. We praise you that, that the fruits of your Spirit grow in us, Lord, as we abide in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. The next thing we're going to do is be alert. And we want to be soldiers who are ready for battle. And so we are going to pray this prayer of confession. Actually, Sergio Villanueva wrote um, for us to pray. For, we're actually going to pray this at every single campus. Um, and so would you please stand? And we're going to read this together. And so if you go to the next slide, what we're going to do is you'll see that there's a part in bold and a part in yellow. And so I'll read the part in bold, and then we will all together read the part in yellow. Okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We praise you, God Almighty. You have created us for your glory. You have adopted us as sons and daughters. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Remember our lives to your Lordship. Rule over our hearts. Rule over our families. Rule over our church. Rule over our nation. Give us today our daily bread. We need your provision. Heal us when we are afflicted. Sustain us when we face trials. Guide us when we make decisions. Give with wisdom and discernment. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Thank you for the cross of Jesus. May we have found forgiveness and grace. May we take up our cross and walk with you. May we extend forgiveness and grace. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Give us, Lord, our power. Resist the schemes of the enemy. And go against the vanity of this world to defeat the desires of our flesh. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, so the next thing we're going to do is probably what will be the most uncomfortable. So you ready for this? It's going to be great. So what we are going to do is we are going to pray prayers of thanksgiving. On all occasions, we are keep on praying. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what we are going to do is we're going to pray praises of thanksgiving to God. And so just finish the sentence uh, that will be on the screen. Lord, thank you for... But what we are going to do is I want you to grab hands with the person and, and cross the aisles. As a unified church, we are going to, in unison, pray to the Lord. So this is where, one, it's going to be uncomfortable because we're all just going to hold hands. Don't worry if you're sweaty or whatever. But then, in addition to that, I'm going to put a, a timer on. And so for the, next, for the next two minutes, just out loud, pray. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about if you have coffee breath or whatever. Um, you, we are just praising the Lord. So for two minutes, whatever comes to your heart, whatever comes to your mind, just pray out loud, Lord, thank you for it. And just keep going, and then I will close us in two minutes. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you. You are worthy to be praised, Lord. If we could be here all day and we could continue to praise you, we continue to thank you for your wondrous works in our lives, Lord. We thank you that you've brought us together as your church and that we have unity, not in ourselves, Lord, but in you. That you unite us, Lord. That we can be diverse. We can be different. We can come from different backgrounds and upbringings, Lord, but we are one in you. Lord, we praise you that we get to praise you through all of our circumstances, regardless of what we've experienced in our life, regardless of what we are going through, Lord, you are with us and you give us what we need, Lord. You give us yourself and so we thank you. We pray this in your name, amen. Amen. All right, now lastly, with just a few people next to you in groups of three or four, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for the Lord's people. We're gonna pray for the church and so if you put this on the screen, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray in two parts. Pray for TVC, WBC, IDP, praying for our campus pastor, praying for the elders and leaders in the church, and praying for unity. Then we're also going to be praying for the global church, praying for the advancement of the gospel, for strength and perseverance, praying for missionaries, and praying for unity. So just gather in, in groups of, of three or four um, and just pray together, and um, I will close us out.
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the, word may believe, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Amen.